Christina, and thank you for checking into the Home for Wayward OCs. This is the podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters, the good, the bad, and the self-inserts. Today, our guest is Alex. Alex, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> doing pretty well, Christina. Thanks for having me. I am always glad to have you on the show. Uh, this is going to be a little bit more low-key than some of our previous recordings have been, mostly because it is... Uh, later at night, and Alex has to be quiet, and I have to work early in the morning, so we're both going to be hopefully maybe a little bit more chill than some of the past episodes have been. <laughs> I'm, down, I'm down for chill. Good. Down, being down for chill is a good is a good sign. So who are we going to be talking about today, Alex? My good girl, Lourdes Guadalupe Vicens. So, okay, just to make sure that I'm saying that right. Uh, Lourdes Guadalupe Dicens? Vicens, with a B. Vicens, okay. Uh, Lupe, for short. Okay, so, who, who is Lupe? What is she about? Where is she from? So, uh, in all my many years of gaming, you know, kind of, I always try to play against type, mm-hmm. but uh, over on the one-shot Discord, uh, one of my friends there, Minna, and I, we homebrewed a witch's system out of old uh, World of Darkness. And so Lupe is the first character kind of close to me mm-hmm. that, I, that, I, that I played. Nice. And so, so, you know, Latina and queer and kind of team mom kind of character instead of trying to play the broody character. Okay. Uh, I admit that I am not the most familiar with the Witcher system, so would you be willing to give us a quick rundown of kind of like what the Witcher is like? What's the setting? Is it more fantasy, dark fantasy, light fantasy, that kind of a thing? Oh, I'm. <laughs> I didn't speak clearly enough. It's a, a, a kind of like a. Um, have you ever seen my little my uh, little Witcher Academia? I have not. So it's pretty much, we made a, a slice of life kind of Hogwarts uh, oh, magic okay. high school system. Okay. And, you know, I decided uh, I wanted a GMPC in there. Mm-hmm. And that it would be a real good time to kind of bring in a lot of me to a character. Yeah. Which isn't anything I'd really ever allowed myself to do in the past. So, you know. And decided to make her Latina, which is, I'm Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and I'd always been playing either generic European person. Yeah. <laughs> Dime a dozen white guy. Yep. Or white, white person in general. Yeah. Or, or edgelord tiefling. Okay. Good to, <laughs> know, so, uh, good to know those are the two poles that we're working from here. Yeah, so I took the opportunity and I'm like, you know. I want to play someone who's a lot more like me, mm-hmm. more caring, more family-oriented, friend-oriented, outgoing, Yeah. and try to be have a more authentic experience with it. And because you know, especially after being exposed to the One Shot Network and seeing what uh, we we can really get through that through. Trying to play true to yourself. I really wanted to experience that and kind of bring those parts of my identity out that I haven't hadn't played before. Mm-hmm. That's always a really good approach to take with role playing. I know that I personally usually tend towards a certain, I guess, certain like archetype of character. And but if but I found but sometimes breaking out of your shell and doing things that are not what you've done in the past are sometimes the most rewarding, especially if that's embodying a part of you that you haven't necessarily used in role-playing before. Absolutely, and that's a lot of what uh, I've come to experience as the game has gone on, mm-hmm. is that you know it's, it's, it's a good chance to have a, that mirror to look at yourself and kind of see what one of the better versions of you can look like. Yeah. And even some of the pitfalls that can come with that. Oh god, yes. Yes. There's a, there is a pretty common, I guess, 
stereotype associated with role-playing games in general that is just like, oh, it's just therapy, but with dice. <laughs> and while, while I don't think that's necessarily what you should be going into playing tabletop games to do, if that's something that happens along the way, that's good. Absolutely. But it also requires that element of self-reflection and self-analysis and like is this me separated from the character or is this me reacting because of what I've experienced? And yeah. as a side note, I think this is the earliest in a recording that we've ever gotten this introspective. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's, it's the quiet time. That's what, that's what happens. It is. Uh, it definitely, I definitely had to kind of, and do have to watch out for, and I don't use it pejoratively, but watch out for bleed. Oh like, God. Yes. Like, what part of this is how Alex would react versus how would Lupe react? Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, just kind of dealing with that, because I've really tried to to infuse her. And, you know, because it's a tabletop game, really kind of lean into stuff. Like, I tend to be, you know, going, trying to make friends with everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, in high school, I was the (laughs) over-hugger. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly that kind of person. And so, really, play that up in character and be like, okay, like you know, that's totally a part of myself that that I can look at more objectively by funneling it through this character, and it's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Again, like she was, Lupe is the first explicitly Latino character I've ever played, and it's nice to be able to bring those parts of myself out oh yeah definitely excuse me it's not something that in my day-to-day life for a lot of years has brought out and kind of in the wake of 2016 <sighs> yeah <laughs> heavy sigh yep I, topic I just, for another podcast yeah <laughs> but in the wake of that it's, it's, a, it's a part of my identity it really started to feel and be like, oh, wait, there's more to me than just this stuff, you know, this whole other part of me that I've kind of, you know, done the, the second, third generation immigrant kid thing of not necessarily always acknowledging. I'm like, yeah, no, let's embrace that. Let's roll with it. Let's fully bring this into the role playing experience. And that's why I wanted to uh, make her that. Yeah. I think that's a really good approach to take. Yeah. And so it's a really, really, excuse me, gosh, nice <laughs> to have like a, I think this really outgoing want to be around with everyone, bubbly, Latina character, and fully embody a lot of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it means a lot to me because it's a chance to, even in role-playing, show that part of myself. Like, um, you know, this big Latino family, all the drama and fun that can go on in there. <laughs> Cause, oh, yeah. Because there's a lot. There's a lot. Yes, I am. I am sure that if this was a if this was a podcast telling stories about our families, we would be here for probably the next three or four hours. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, but anyway, it's nice to have her in there. You know, she's you know fourteen years old in the setting. It's like an eight year magic school, so it's like high school, college rolled together. Okay. And so. You know, almost unintentionally, she has really quickly become kind of the glue of the group that holds all these disparate personalities together. Mm-hmm. And I just love that about her, that she gets a chance to be uh, the go-to person for everyone. That, you know, it's real satisfying for me to, to see her be that. To be the team mom in a good way and 
be that character that everyone likes to rally around. Yeah. So would you mind uh, telling us a little bit more about the setting for that Lupe lives in? Yeah, sure. So um, uh, I don't know if you've been on the OneShot Discord at all or much, but... I have, I have never been on the OneShot Discord. I recommend it. It's a great place. Plugging it here. But um, it's... We, we kind of tried to walk the fine line between the magicians and Harry Potter. So, you know, it's not super idealized, perfect world, but it's also not everyone's an angsty teen and has access to magic. Yeah. So. Out of curiosity, which one of those two is the idealized one? Because from what I've heard about the magicians, it doesn't seem especially idealized, but then at the same time, Harry Potter is also pretty gritty, so. It is, but I think it's a lot or at least initially, anyway, it's a lot, a lot more of a sterile. Yeah, that's probably place. fair. That's a fair assessment. You know, whereas the magicians is more, what if the angsty teen who always wanted magic powers got magic powers? Oh boy! <laughs> it's like you know the kid who's like, I want to be special. I want to have magic. Gets mm-hmm. it. But yeah, so we, you know we're trying to. Walk the line between that. Yeah. And so it's it's a little bit idealized because we wanted the system to read more like a a slice of life experience. So it's a set in um general New England area. Yeah. Uh we decided to set it uh, more towards Boston and it's in an eight year school called the Salem Academy of Magic. Where yeah. the first four years is kind of like high school. And then if you choose to stay on and specialize, you can do uh, your second four years. Okay. That makes sense. And thank you guys for addressing the issue of higher education, which always bothered me with Harry Potter. (laughs) Yeah. That's like seven years and then go have fun, kid. Yeah. Job applications? What are those? Taxes? Although, I mean... To be fair, the real-world schools do that a lot of the time, too, so... Yeah, they do. <sighs> but yeah, so, and so we decided that in, in this world, uh, magic is not common, but it's not super rare, either. Okay. Like, it's big enough that most states have at least, like, one of these institutions. Oh, Okay. That whole idea that you can walk down the street and theoretically in a big enough town find a magic shop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an accepted part of everyday life. <clears throat> yeah, so it's an accepted part of everyday life. And uh, we had, we really intentionally did that because we wanted to be able to open it up to a lot of different character concepts. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, uh, going to the school, like, the legacy, whose parents sit on the board of the school, you know, born into magic type deal. Yeah. And then, you know, we have, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, you know, found out that that thing you can do, by the way, it's magic. Oh, yes. And we also, and this is more of a, this was a decision more to be able to open it up to those people, wherein it's a, a, a delightfully socialist idea where the school is free. Yes, like like schools should be. Yes, especially Ivy League schools, but that's another conversation. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a topic for an academic discussion podcast, which this is not. Yeah, but yeah, so they so. You know, uh, school is free, room and board are free, but, you know, you can pay to get, like, nicer dorms or better equipment in class. Okay. But, you know, the idea that there's a base level provided to everyone, which is how you get the legacy being in the dorm across the hall from the orphan who found out that that thing they can do is magic. Yeah. And as part of making... 
magic, a real commonplace thing. We let the players, and we kind of work together on mm-hmm. class lists. As in, like, what classes are available, or, like, curriculum, or, like, who has what classes with whom? What classes are available and curriculum? Ooh. I mean, all of the above, but those two particularly. And mm-hmm. we kind of realized, okay, well, if magic's been a thing, how long has it been in the open? Like, what's the legal precedent for magic? Yeah. And so, you know, magical law came into being. And, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we determined that class was, was talking about, like, okay, did the Salem happen? And if so, maybe that's when magic came to light. Yeah. And started having legal precedent to protect witches. Because in this world, we decided that a witch was a gender neutral term. Everyone's a witch. Okay. Uh, so, where in the kind of hierarchy of character classes does Lupe fit? Is she someone who came from magic? Does she was she aware of it? That kind of a thing. Do these classes have? Do these character classes have names? Uh, no, they don't. It's just whatever, whatever fits your character. Okay. So it, it's pretty much we kind of made it a classless system based loosely on a. The Old World of Darkness Mage the Awakening game. Okay, I have zero familiarity with that. <laughs> well, the, the idea, um, you could have kind of classes in that, but the general idea is that you just pick a kind of magic, and that's what you're good at. Okay. And so, instead of classes necessarily, we made it so you could be like, okay, I'm really good at, you know, charms and flying, mm-hmm. but I can't cast a hex or something like that to save my life. Yeah. So it really gives you the ability to kind of tailor in what you want your character to do. Okay. Is this like a, is this like, this is just me talking mechanics here. This is shop talk. Yeah, sure. Is this a, is this like a D6 system? D20 percentile? A D10. Okay. So you pretty much, every skill and a magical category pretty yeah. much has, has five dots in it and every dot is a d10 and that determines your like pool of how many d10 you roll okay that part sounds a little bit like the um like the edge of the empire system for star wars which i am yeah. familiar with so okay that concept makes sense to me now thank you for explaining that yeah, absolutely it's similar to that so and I think that's nice because it also lets you bring your character's backstory directly into the mechanics. Mm-hmm. So, Lupe, for instance, does come from a family of magic users. She's yeah. like right in the middle of eight kids. Oh boy. And her parents own, like, um, pretty much a bodega slash apothecary. Okay. That, I really love that concept, also because both bodega cats are fantastic, and I could totally see a magical bodega having, like, just, like, a whole bunch of magical cats hanging around. Yes, and I, that's a great Twitter, by the way, bodega cats. Hmm? No, no oh, I plug. bet. I'll have to go look that up. I love me a good cat. It's really great. But, yeah, so she, you know, so she, and... We also thought it would be interesting in the system to, to not have it tied entirely to necessarily Western ideas of magic. Yes, yes, so, tell me more. So, down with Western magic. So, while that's like the quote unquote traditional way that the school pushes, there's alternatives. We had a player for a while who was uh, Kabbalah Jewish. Oh, okay. And so, borrowing from the magicians, he used a combination of finger tutting and Hebrew to do magic. Ooh, I like that concept. Yeah, and then Lupe does a lot of work with potions and charms and Santeria. Ooh, I also like that concept. So, 
invent. So, you know, it's bringing, and that's why I like you being able to flavor the magic to whatever makes the most sense for your character's background. Mm-hmm. And so she comes up and she's got a denim jacket with a bunch of patches that are actually charms sewn onto it. And because the original concept in my head was this punk teenager with jeans and a denim jacket with charms sewn on it. Yeah. Walking around pretty much smoking potion ingredients. <laughs> that is a that is a very not like concise, accurate. I'm trying to think of another word for it. That's just like there that's just a very realized like description of a character. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. And so that evolved into Lupe, but I kind of kept that main idea going and combined it with my not so guilty pleasure of loving greasers and greaser culture and inserting it everywhere I can. Mm-hmm. And there's a group of uh, greaser witches on campus called the Broom Demons, who okay. instead of hot rods trick out their brooms. Okay. I can roll with that. I can roll with that. Yeah, so it's just, you know, I really wanted to make this one of those systems and games where it's just really collaborative and everybody has buy-in and ownership of it. Because I think that's one of the, a really fun way to play. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Things are, well, there is a benefit to having, like, one person be involved in creating everything. There's also a lot of benefit, and I think it makes... In general, it makes the experience, both for the players and the person running the game, so much better if it is a collaborative effort. If everyone gets a chance to input things, to add in flavor, and then, if things need to, have things be taken out as well. Absolutely. Hopefully that hasn't had to be the case for you guys, or for y'all, but it is important to think about. Yeah, the, the only thing we really wind up doing is kind of ramping back some of the more the school gives you everything aspects mm-hmm. just because it took away a lot of opportunity for dramatic tension. Yeah. Cause if you have access to pretty much anything you want, well, that's great and fun to kind of have fluff in. There's not a lot of a conflict. Yeah. If, if you're the person who has everything, then what do you strive for? So we, um, got around that by we're working on introducing a plot line where a few hints and things the other characters had done are going to come back and have larger ramifications. So there was this one character and their name is Zoya for a while and she made a deal with a fae. And, you know, it, it was the old timey fae, so not a deal you want to make. Yeah. And then we have one of the characters, Jacqueline, you know, she's the one whose parents are on the board. And their stance is pretty much, you know, things are going too liberal here. So what happens is pretty much what's going to happen is there's going to be a fey invasion of the school to call in the dead. Okay. And the board is going to try to go use that to go crazy conservative. And the school is going to get ripped out of time. Um... Okay, a uh, holy, holy plot twist, Batman, but uh, that sounds like a darn good conflict hook when you guys are looking for one. Yeah, and we made sure, of course, to have player buy-in, but, you know, that's and that, that's kind of the beauty, I think, of, of building a world whole cloth, is that you get to kind of make it work for you and what you need. Mm-hmm. So I really hope that at least one of the students is able to communicate with the Fae. Because if none of them speak the language, it's going to go downhill real fast. Well, we do have one character who, uh, her name is Jessie, and she and her character grew up a Boston Catholic Irish Northie. And so, but her mom, her mom kept a lot of the old ways, so she's summoned and kind of imprisoned a couple of the lesser Fae before. 
Okay, good. To, to press gangbang and to get rich quick schemes. Okay, that that tracks. <laughs> so, she can at least uh, try to do some stuff. Good. Now, what is the situation with magical creatures within this world? Are they all like sentient? Do you guys have? Do y'all have dragons? Like so, talking goblins? Unfortunately, uh, not. For the most part, it's a little bit real world. There are uh, familiars who do the whole can talk to their owner and eventually talk to anyone thing. Okay. But for the most part, it's kind of our, our world. Okay. So no dragons. Yeah, no dragons, but there are in there. There are feathers, you know, spirits of things. A little bit animist, and then there's a. Unfortunately, we had to have the one character who was playing the Kabbalist Jew magician, which leave, and mm-hmm. to bring in a plot hook, you know, kind of related to the magical creatures thing, we had him taken away by a Dybbuk box. Okay, I am not familiar with that, but uh, because I am, <laughs> I am not Jewish. No, it's also but, just a real fun, uh, almost cryptid type thing. Okay. Where it's essentially a box, like the size of a big fancy wooden wine box holding one bottle of wine, but okay. instead it houses a demon that got trapped in it. Ooh, okay. So it's still not something you want to meet in a dark alleyway. Or probably at all. No, because it definitely wants you to get out. Lovely. Absolutely. So I think it's you know, it's just a lot of fun to be able to have this world where we can bring in all these different cultural takes on magic and it just works. It doesn't contradict itself. Oh, yeah. Um a while ago, there was a there was a blog that I followed on Tumblr that was just like like aesthetic memes for different kinds for different like magical schools around Ooh. the globe, and like there was one for a school in like the Pacific Islands. There's one for a school in Russia, in Brazil, and just like focusing on all these different kinds of magic, like. One, I very specifically remember that I think it was the school in Brazil had them do magic by, um, had them do magic through like capoeira. I may or may not be pronouncing that correctly. Um, but like magic through, magic through dance and with an emphasis on like floral and like floral and faunal magic, that kind of a thing. There was, I think it was the, I think the Australian school for magic was just on like an island that they had to magically tether to Australia so that it didn't just float (laughs) off into the ocean. Um, Yeah, it was, but it's just like that kind of a thing that was just, that it, well, not was, is really interesting to me. Just because, like, don't get me wrong, I love Harry Potter. And, well, I love most of Harry Potter. And,. Like, I, I just went and saw a Harry Potter parody show a couple of, actually, about a week ago. Um, but, Which one? Uh, it, was, uh, I, it was while I was in New York. It was a show called Puffs. It was very good. Okay, awesome. Um, but uh, the one, one of the things that I have an issue with in Harry Potter is just, like, how sterile everything seems with the magic. That it is just, like... Magic A is magic A. Everything is set up around, um, everything is set up around white European magic. That there's yeah. never really an emphasis made on what other kinds of magic might look like, like how the magic of even like within the other schools pictured in the series, like even within like the Durmstrang Institute, how their magic would probably look a lot different in casting in spell language than the very Latin-based and almost fencing-like, I guess you could say, um, magic associated with Hogwarts. Absolutely, yeah. I agree, and I think that, I think that's right, sterile's a good word for it. It's very, 
formulaic or wrote very Western European. And it's like, it's a good starting point for magic, but when it's a good starting point for magic, but it can't be the only form of magic that is used in media. Like I've, I haven't seen or read the magicians, but I know that there's different kinds of magic in that. Like some of my favorite books, um, one of my favorite book series is a, is a whole series by Tamara Pierce where they have just all these different kinds of magic. Like they have magic that they can do by manipulating thread that can affect then clothing, but also be used as like magical spells to trap people or like use it as a ward, that kind of a thing. And so hearing you guys, hearing y'all talk about this, this super flavorful and accessible magic system is very much so up my alley. Oh, I love, thank you. I like that a lot. Thank you, man. And you know, at least stuff on the stuff, like one of the classes we invented was um, pretty much inadvisably applied magic. Oh my God. Like you take, um, the idea of like Cave Johnson from Portal, and like but oh magic, God. like what is the most outlandishly ridiculous thing you can do, but with magic? Is that a rhetorical question? No, I mean that was that was the whole class. It's like, and we actually had, we haven't come back to it in a while, but we had the characters decide like, what can you do with magic that's outlandish and would make this like adventure entrepreneur want want to want to fund your thing. Oh my god, is it Magical Shark Tank? Pretty, yeah, that's pretty much what the class was. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was great to be able to bring in that kind of stuff and just have fun with it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other classes that you guys have come up with? Uh, so we had... Um, we had Magical Theology. Oh my god, tell me everything. So that was, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, like, you know, like in magic, where does magic come from? Like what defines uh, God if you can do all the stuff mostly that he could do? And so a class where that's, it's like a, a Socratic seminar where you, ha you debate that with the teacher. Like what defines a deity when you are are ostensibly as powerful as most of the lesser ones you would encounter in world oh world theology? Yes, yes, this makes me very happy. <laughs> we had that, you know, and then you know, magical law, like I said earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, we had like well, fly, you know, flying class because you got yeah. a flying class. Yeah, flying classes, driver's ed, but for magical people. Yeah, uh, you know. Divination, we had a portals as a class. Okay. So that instead of, like, you could do apparition, but, like, theoretically, that's the ultimate endgame. It's like, at first, how do you make a portal? And how do you connect it to another place? Mm hmm Or, uh, instead of care magical creatures type of thing, since there aren't really magical creatures, we had, like, a you're familiar and you class. Aww. Where the whole thing is, either get or bond with your familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and charms, like, crossed over with flight in almost like a, like an old-time auto shop class. Like, build a broom, trick it out. Okay. The class. And then we had stuff like a after-school magical fight club. Oh my god. So, like, you know, like, like boxing, but also with magic. That is fantastic. You know, and then potions, of course, because potions is a thing. Yeah, potions. But you just get really wild with it. Okay. Um, when you say getting wild with potions, do you mean... Like, do you mean magical effects or psychotropic effects? Both. Because, like, the idea, for me anyway, is that, you know, kind of going the way with the magicians, it's like, you know, in potions class, you're taught the theory of a lot of this stuff. But mm 
you have homework and you're a teenager at school alone. So why not? So yeah. like I did bring back in that like smoking potions ingredients things. Like and had Lupe's older brother teach her how to roll not a blunt, but like just like a relaxation thing out of potion materials. Yeah. You know, but like using like lavender and other potions ingredients that you would maybe make for like a relaxing draft or whatever you would want to call it. Okay. Or, uh, you know, and then in Magical Fight Club, it's like, you don't just fight with magic. You can actually, like, you know, like, he was a charmed and magically imbued, like, boxing gloves and other traditional Ooh. martial arts equipment. That is so interesting. And, like, we never really got too far beyond initial, like, boxing and judo type stuff. But, like, the tryouts were essentially, hey, you, hey, kid, go fight this other kid and use some magic and let's see how well you do. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, you know, literal flaming uppercuts were thrown. Oh, my God. So they went all Dragon Ball Z up in that. They did. It was great. It sounds pretty great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, And, like, you know, it's really trying to make it similar to the magicians in that it's less sterile than Harry Potter. Like, like in the third movie, I think it was, where they showed them like playing with those candies in the beginning. Yeah. It's that same idea. It's like, you know, these are young adults, like 13 to 18 year olds, and more if they're in the college one, with access to magic. And little supervision. They're not gonna do like the concept of like oh let's put these magic these put let's put these magical students, these magical young adults and teenagers in a fairly in a fairly restricted environment for seven to eight years. They're not gonna they're not gonna go out and have pranks. They're not gonna try like weird charms on each other. But so I'm very glad to hear that you guys are addressing teen problems. We are. I mean, there's you know, romances we've had go on in between mm-hmm. the players, you know, all sanctioned and talked about ahead of time. But, you know, because that's life. Yeah. And like, what happens when the magical haves make the magical have nots? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. What are some of your favorite plot points that have happened with Lupe so far? Um, the first big one I really liked was she had, you know, she she came out and she got a girlfriend. Aww. And that was great because it just really naturally developed in character. And yeah. as... You know, I recently, you know, came out as bisexual. It's, you know, it was the chance to kind of work that out. Mm-hmm. And get a kind of a feel for how that might work. And it was real nice for her. I liked that. Another one was um, really standing up for what she believed in. And, like, the one friend who the group was ostracizing a bit, you know. Yeah. Standing up to the group for that. And being like, yeah, this person can be bit of a jerk but that doesn't mean she's not worth going after and working with and seeing what's going on and and being the one to run out after her and talk to her that was really great to me I, I think that sounds pretty fantastic too although it brought up a question that I had which is is this a magical school where there are house style things like in Harry Potter or is it just kind of a or is it or is there a non-house system uh, you know, no it's pretty much just a bunch of kids in a dorm okay cool and so you know the closest thing you get to houses are the after school clubs yeah which as anyone who has been to school knows 
is quite the allegiance system. It really is. It really is. And so, the latest arc I'm really happy to do, because it's absolutely the thing I love, is getting her to join the Greasers. Ooh. And... And, you know, we're already laying the groundwork to be like, yeah, some of them are not that savory. Absolutely, they steal stuff and stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing how my, you know, Pollyanna-ish character deals with that. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just, I, I really have used her to be, like I said earlier, like the better parts of me. And it's a lot of fun to see this character, her, who I've invested a lot of myself in, kind of grow and go their own way, do their own thing, and almost like a parent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That is, that is part of why I refer to my characters from Lost Library as Milo, my, as Milo, my son, and Ashley, my daughter. Yeah, so she, you know, she's Lupe, my sweet little girl, who loves everyone, wants to be friends with everyone, hug people who don't want to be hugged. Yeah. And has, you know, and has to learn how to, you know, moderate that while still being true to herself. Yeah. Which is really what it's a lot, a lot about, I think, in life, even. Because mm -hmm. this is serious talk time, I guess. It's okay. It is, chronologically, when I'm recording this, it is, of course, getting later at night, which is when a lot of people get either real slap-happy or real introspective. Today, it's real introspective. It is. And I Nothing like wrong it. with that, though. No. And so, you know, that's... And a lot of what Lupe means to me is that she's let me play other characters that are truer to myself, and... Let me be more comfortable living in that space. Which is something I didn't have before. So it's really great that she's the catalyst for that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, because she's the first me character I've ever played. Mm -hmm. The first major self-insert character, like, ever? Yes. Oh, wow. And I'm, what, 32, and I've been playing since I was 14? Oh, wow. You have me beat by quite a large margin there. <laughs> uh, I mean, I didn't actually play play until college, 18, 19. It was like, hey, here's D&D. Let's try to see if we know how to do this. Yeah. But, you know, before again, I'd always play, like, what I thought would be a cool character or what I thought would be good for the party. And... Never given much thought to, like, wow, what would I want to play that's like me? So, out of curiosity, what are some ways that you and Lupe are not alike? Okay, well, well she is way more oblivious than I like to think I ever was. Yeah. You know, very much letting the obvious, whether it's this person likes me, or, oh, hey, this person is talking about engaging in high legal activities. She's just like, oh, hey, cool, you're going to help me get a thing? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds um, like kind of the, uh, the golden retriever approach to looking at life. Yeah, that's a real good way of putting it. Um, I've also made her way more uh, focused and dedicated than I was at that age, and still am for a lot of things, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just, uh, like, I am all about thing X and thing Y, and those are my hobbies, and I do them a lot. Yeah. And I'm, not, and, I try, and I'm more of a, I know a little bit about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So you could say she has more follow-through than I do. Hey, you know what? There is also benefit sometimes in being able to focus on a lot of things at once. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, she's 
trying to think of some other stuff, but pretty much he's like 90% self-insert. We honor and respect self-inserts on this podcast. I mean, because I come from a big, big-ish family. There's five of us kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like 15 first cousins. Oh, wow. That's more than I have among my own first cousins. So, you know, it's, 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 for her, I tried to make her as much me as I could. Mm-hmm. To make it easier to, to just fully inhabit her. I mean, other ways were not the same. I'm not a 14-year-old teenage girl. Yeah, that's true. Pretty big difference there. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting. That's a question I hadn't thought about. Uh, I try to I try to keep a good roster of questions available in case, and then sometimes the good ones just come up in conversation. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that, and it makes me admit that wow, she really is straight up a self insert, which is fine. Yes, ain't nothing wrong with that. But she's my good daughter, and I love her. Good. And, you know, she led me to, to create my other persistent across multiple systems character. Mm-hmm. Who's pretty much, and she's a, an across multiple systems character because all those games end after like three sessions, unfortunately. I That's know just... the feeling. <laughs> so out of, out of curiosity, just like quick list what other what other worlds and games has Lupe gone to? Uh, so, through ch- a, a few few very slight tweaks, she's gone to Edge of the Empire mm-hmm. twice. Uh, to this system, she's gone to um, Vampire, not not the Masquerade, the newer one. Never one that is. I don't know. She's gone to Pokemon Tabletop United, and that's where she lives right now. Ooh, what's your team? Oh, um, Bulbasaur, because number one in the deck's number one in my heart. Aww. An Elekid. A, uh, a Yan Mask. Okay. And, uh, that's it so far. Nice. Because... She's going down the route of being a groomer and breeder in that world. Aww. Because that's the route I would take, so that's the route she's taking. Aww. And plus, but, that's just a good team with good, cute kids, it sounds like. It is. And, uh, and the, the most unlike me she ever was was in Edge of the Empire because it was an Imperial campaign. Okay. And... So she was still trying to be the heart of the team, but she was also a really assertive, want to be the best TIE fighter pilot. Okay. Yeah, I have never, the one Edge of the Empire uh, pseudo campaign that I was in was never, it was like, it was like, set in between like in, I feel like kind of like around Attack of the Clones I don't remember exactly what time frame we had it set in but it was like prequel trilogy so not quite Empire yet that's pretty cool that's pretty cool that's a, that's a fun time it really was no <laughs> it's all good but yeah I mean and that's kind of what happened with this it was a PBP and it was actually pretty ambitious in scope Mm-hmm. where the GM was running two campaigns. One was the Rebellion side, one was the Imperials, and it would eventually lead to a crossover. Oh, that's that sounds really cool, but also really stressful now that I have um, one game of recorded uh, game running experience under my belt. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much she's like, yeah, no, this is too much, I can't do this. But it's it important to recognize your limits. Yeah. And it was fun while it lasted. Sometimes that's the important part. Yeah. And again, you know, like, it, it helped me kind of iterate on a loop through different systems and 
be able to give her different personalities. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's her. That's my good girl. She loves everyone and everything, <laughs> and she really is just a golden retriever. Good. Best character summary. <laughs> Thank you. You are welcome. Alex, thank you so much again for coming on tonight, when or today, whenever you're listening to this. Um, it's tonight for us recording. Um, but thank you for taking the time out of your evening to come on and talk about Lupe and for awesome. explaining all of these wonderful details about this magical school that you guys created. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, is there anything that you would like to promote? Where can where you can be found on the internet if you'd like to be found? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at OlympianZeus, uh, where I do a lot of retweeting and meme posting. Both very good ways to use Twitter. That's about it. I don't do a lot more online quite yet, but maybe one day. That's okay. There's always time. Almost always, except for when you have to go to bed. <laughs> yes, which is me now. The Home for Wayward OCs can be found on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Barrett, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. New episodes come out on the second and fourth Mondays of the month. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we can be found on Twitter at WaywardOCPod or through the WaywardOCPod hashtag. You can also email us at WaywardOCPod at gmail.com. We are always looking for guests to talk about their original characters, uh, so if you or someone that you possibly know might be interested in being on the podcast, uh, drop us a line, send us a message, tag us in a tweet. Um, Whatever method you guys want to use to contact me, um, I will probably be able to get it unless you send it by carrier pigeon. I don't have any way to accept a carrier pigeon at my house. Uh, and since we are still a fairly new podcast, we uh, always appreciate uh, if we always appreciate it if you can give us a rating and review on your listening platform of choice, um, especially through iTunes slash Apple Podcasts because that helps us to find more guests and brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This has been Home for Wayward OCs, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Well, I try to, I try to keep, I try to keep a roster of good questions. Sex, like, yeah, yeah. Late night mouth, late night mouth word, brain not good. <laughs> yeah, brain work, huh? No brain work. Yes. Um.